giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Humanity First. Um, we have a packed uh, episode today. Um, later on, we're going to have a couple of folks who actually are board members at BAMSI, where I work, who are going to come and talk about the real estate market, both in relation to uh, commercial and residential. Uh, if you are not, uh, if you don't know that the price of housing is going through the roof, as it were, at the moment, then uh, you're really not paying attention. So we're going to we're going to talk about how that affects communities, how that affects uh, folks who um, are new Americans coming into this country and trying to get a foot on the on the ladder. But uh, before, I just wanted to talk about a couple of things that are on everybody's mind at the moment. Um, this month, of course, is Pride Month, and uh, you can uh, you don't have to go very far to see a celebration of that, both in the media and on, on people's high streets. Uh, in Massachusetts, I think I consider us uh, very fortunate to have a community that is welcoming um, and um, if you think about gay marriage, uh, Massachusetts was one of the first states to to legalize that. Uh, and if you have a conversation with young people nowadays, there's a bit of a tilt of their head when you when when they hear that that was something that was Ill illegal a while ago. We have come a long way, but I, I, we we don't need to rest on our laurels about issues of equality when it comes to when it comes to Pride Month, when it comes to LGBTQ issues. I was doing a little bit of research this morning and I found that uh, across the country there are many anti-gay uh, LGBT uh, acts, uh, bills in the Senate um, of many states. In fact, I, I discovered that there were 18 bills that are restricting uh, rights, LGBT rights and trans rights. Uh, and in Missouri, there are 17. If you go around the country, you're, you're going to get people who are trying to um, uh, restrict people's uh, identity relative to um, to uh, name changes. You're getting um, uh, efforts to restrict uh, uh, public uh, behaviors, uh, and you're you're getting changes in the law which re which really restrict trans people's rights uh, and medical rights. I spoke to somebody the other day, and they, a trans person, they said it's very uncomfortable when you know that states are trying to legislate you out of existence. If you think about that for a minute, that really does go against all human rights, um, and we really need to be aware of that and 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 fight for those rights for everybody. And I, you know, I believe that equality is more than passing a law, or in this case, more than fighting a law. Um, it really is um, the struggle for the hearts and minds of communities and the communities where people live. Uh, and and so, as long as we're talking about that, as long as we're giving people the right to live an authentic life, then I think we're moving in the right direction. But uh, those things are under fire in this country at the moment. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention was what's been going on up in Canada with the wildfires. Um, you know, um, we really have been struggling, um, and uh, and at the moment. Uh, the northeastern seaboard is covered in a pall of smoke uh, coming down from from Canada. Um, this is record-breaking numbers in terms of what we're looking at here. The Copernicus Atmospheric Monitoring Service, and yes, there is one, and it's called the Copernicus, which I think is wonderful. Um, 
figured in, in May of this year, 54.8 million tons of particles came down from Canada and settled uh, in, our, in our communities on the northeastern seaboard. That's twice as much as any other wildfire that's happened in the history of this country. This is directly related to climate change. This is directly related to the way that we use land in this country. And there is a warning out at the moment that people may have seen that with El Nino happening, um, and you may have read about this, it started in, in May of this year in the, in the Pacific Ocean. It's going to push our temperatures up uh, nearer to that 1.5 degrees that we're all worried about. This is something we need to pay attention to in our communities. And seeing these particles and these orange hues around us every day is a reminder that we have to keep um, our eyes and ears open. We have to keep talking about how we combat climate change. We're going to take a break now, and when we come back, we're going to talk about real estate. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm an essential worker here at BMZ, and I'm a nurse. Nurses are essential here at BMZ because as nurses, we really have the opportunity to make an impact. We have very small ratios, so we have the opportunity to really learn everything about the person served and be able to give the best care. It really serves such a great purpose for me as being a nurse and really why I came into nursing. Learn more about nursing opportunities at BMZjobs.org. Giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back to Humanity First. Uh, for the second section of the program, we're going to talk about something that's on a lot of people's minds at the moment. We have two uh, guests who are experts. They're also friends of the organization I work for, uh, BAMSI, both being board members. Uh, I'm going to welcome Jeannie Fuller-Jones, who uh, works for Keller Williams. And Keller Williams get a get a couple of shouts here. Welcome, Jeannie. Lovely, lovely to have you with us. And Thank thanks. you. Good to be here. Uh, and also Cesar Miranda, who is a partner at Keller, uh, Keller Williams and... Um, uh, you work uh, in the um, commercial space in, in, in real, real estate. Correct, right? correct. The well, commercial division of Keller Williams, correct. Thank well, you. welcome. And Jeannie, you have a, an expertise uh, in the residential side. Um, I don't think it's escaped anybody's notice over the past few years that housing prices have been rising astronomically. Um, and office space is another um, kettle of fish, if you will, in terms of availability of office space uh, post-COVID. Um, by the way, I'm really happy that we're having lots of post-COVID uh, discussions now, given what everybody's been through. But there's no doubt when we have um, an, a pandemic like this, when something affects the entire world, there's going to be shakeout uh, in terms of uh, people's mental health, people's jobs, and uh, real uh, real estate is, uh, doesn't escape that, I suppose. Um, maybe um, I mean I would say that real that real estate is the heart of any community. When you look at what's happened in certain places, you know I, I always think about Detroit because Detroit is a great example of a city that sort of died, uh, and many of those residential areas were, uh, became. Uh, uninhabitable uh, through neglect in a way um, and lack of uh, urban planning and lack of a public health policy uh, and all of those things. We are nowhere near that, of course. But what we're worried about, what I'm worried about anyway, and uh, Jeannie, you and I have had this conversation. I have I have a child who is now an adult um, who has been looking uh, to get on the ladder for probably two years now and has not succeeded um, and is getting a little desperate and wondering how that's going to happen. Um, 
I read recently that in February of 2020, the average house price in Brockton was about 320 something thousand. And now, uh, at least it was actually last November when I looked, um, it was about 425. That's a massive leap. Brockton is a gateway city. Brockton is a city very close to my heart and yours, I know, because you spent so many <laughs> years there. Um, it's a gateway city that is affordable, that is multicultural, that new Americans can come to and, and feel that they have a chance of getting on that ladder. Mm -hmm. And many of those new Americans, of course, look to property right. in terms of uh, generating generational wealth. Is that still the case, Jeannie? Because it looks pretty dire in terms of the opportunities for folks right now. The interesting piece is, yes, Brockton is more affordable than a lot of other areas. But what you see is a lot of the buyers coming into Brockton are coming out of Boston. And the Brockton people are looking south. We're looking Brockton. My Brockton buyers were looking at Taunton, New Bedford, Fall River. Everything has to push down a little bit more. Um, the window in which someone can get into a new home or a home in, in Brockton as anywhere else just gets, the window gets shorter all the time with the rising prices and the affordability changing. A 6% mortgage is not outrageous. Right. 20 years ago when I brought my, when I brought our home, we thought that was great. Um, when we could refi down to five and a half, that was, that was a big plus. But people have been so used to money being almost free for several years it has really impacted people's purchasing powers. So someone who could buy a $400,000 home a couple of years ago can now get a $350,000 home. And there aren't that many of them out there. I just did the numbers before I came over in the immediate Brockton area, Brockton, um, Taunton, Rainham, Easton, the Bridgewaters. There's under 70 homes under $600,000. Wow. Wow. I, I put it at 600000 because that's, you know, where we're that's what you have to get, and, yeah. it's, but not anymore, yeah. some of them. Um, and rentals are just as bad. The cheapest rental is, was $1,200, and that's for a single room Wow. in a single-family home around the corner from us. Um, and they go up to $3,500 to rent a, a three-bedroom townhouse. So people are paying the traditional trajectory of rent save your money, buy a house. When all your money is going to rent, if you're renting an apartment that's gonna be $1,800 a month and you gotta come up with first, last, and security. Almost impossible. Yeah, yeah. you might as well keep going and, and have, you know, maybe put aside 10,000 as a down payment on a house. But in the meantime, you gotta live somewhere. So yeah. that's the challenge is people are really, really being squeezed at that entry level. Can they do it? Absolutely. I just sold a three-family around the corner from me, uh, right around the corner. Yeah. Um, the guy that bought it is a construction worker. He's been working hard for years, saved up his money, and he's got his other. He's living on the third floor in the small apartment. He's got the other two floors rented to people that work with him. They're hardworking people. Those trucks are out there going out at five o'clock every morning, and he's trying to keep the rents affordable. But it's just, it's really, really a struggle for everyone. Yeah, and it's getting more and more difficult for those folks. And, you know, somebody once said to me that you should really be paying about a third of your income for for your uh, housing. Not the case anymore, right? They can't. You can't. Even if you are on a Section 8 voucher or something like that, that's gone up to 35 and 40%. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, those programs will allow the, the resident to pay up to 50% of their gross income yeah. for renting utilities. Yeah. 
that means they're paying 60 to 70 percent of their net just for the roof over their head, much less put food on that table. And pay the electric bill. And pay the electric bill. So it's really, really challenging. Yeah, the 30% days are long, long gone. Just a question about those people who are coming in from Boston. Who are those people? Are they families as well? They are families. They are hardworking families who are being priced out of Dorchester and Roxbury. Or, you know, Mattapan, Milton, they're coming down. Um, Brockton's still more affordable than Dorchester. Right. Is the same thing happening with Providence? Like, are people pushing up from there as well because we're seeing high high prices? South. It, yeah. It's all going south. New Bedford, Fall yeah, Ravens benefited from a lot of that yep. movement from Boston to, to Brockton, as Jim indicated, and they're moving down to... Matter of fact, the Brockton School Department um, just recently had announced in, in the papers and different publications that they a lot of the families are being priced out. And so some of those families, obviously they take the students with them, the children, they're moving to Bedford and Fall River. So that's that creates a, a, other challenges in itself and it, it impacts their budgets. Right. And as we look at urban, urban planning, and I, I probably shouldn't have mentioned Detroit because Detroit is an extreme example of that. But what you begin to see then is the, is the shrinking of the schools, the shrinking of, um, of community. You know, I think about when a family moves into a community, they look a lot of things, don't they? They look at the school. And I will say Brockton High is a wonderful school. I'm so impressed with the work that they've done for such a huge school over the years. And to think of that, and I think it was 130 people that that were recently laid off. Correct, correct. uh, And, and, you know, that is a direct consequence of housing costs, right? Right, right. And there's other things that are going to happen with that. What are the the kids going to be doing, you know? Certainly when my kid, you know, I raised my kids in Somerville um, and they played uh, baseball, they played soccer. And, and you could see in that city that there were less baseball teams uh, on a yearly basis. That intra-league had 28 teams when I first got there. By the time I finished, there were 15. There is this sort of depopulation of a way, in a way. Um, and, you know, what are all the service industries going to do as well? There's sort of knock-on effect to that. Well, and the population that can stay, I mean, one of the downsides of money being so cheap for the last several years was folks like Caesar maybe instead of saying, hey, it's time to go up, you know, and, and we're going to buy that nice new house at 700000 yeah. You know, for the money, you're just going to take a HELOC and, and get some money yeah. and spend 30000 on the kitchen and the bathroom and the deck, and we're staying right here for another 20 years. Correct. So my first-time buyer... Yeah, that house isn't there. Isn't so more people are staying where they are. I do a lot of work with um, seniors and folks that are maybe thinking about downsizing, right sizing, and probably seventy percent of the time after I go to see them, and we do some numbers and look at things, the answer is, you know what, this house works for you just fine. Right. Let's renovate that downstairs bathroom, make it more accessible, and you stay right here. Right, and then you mentioned the interest rate uh, hikes. Yeah, because they know. can't. Uh, no one, they're not going to spend all that much more. They don't want to take a mortgage and buy more. That's right. So they're going to stay right where they are. So again, that's the, the lack of supply. Yeah, and I think this does come down to public, uh, to social policy in the end. What what are we going to do as a country? As somebody said to me the other day, and you know, um, in Boston, you know, Boston has become not affordable. You know, you one point two million for a house in Hyde Park, which is a, tr- a typical blue collar neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, 
somebody said to me, if all the rich move into these places in uh, uh, Fort Point Channel and places like that, you know, who is going to provide those services for those people? And there's going to be some sort of a strange change to Boston. Right. So we're looking at more, uh, I know I've talked to the mayor of uh, Brockton about this, but more affordable housing, creating um, laws that f that sort of push developers into providing more affordable housing to, p to get people on the bottom run. That has to be good for a community, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It provides more places, more people to live. And, and those seniors that are staying in their homes longer are starting to need more services. And there's got to be a place for those people to live. Correct. Correct. So you need all the levels to maintain it. And, and, and business as well. It's all interconnected. Absolutely. I mean, as we say, the old adage in commercial real estate, commercial real estate, you know, trails rooftops. So where you have rooftops, you have consumers, you have you know, different services you could provide. And, and, and so just to speak to commercial real estate and, you know, what I handle primarily, I mean, I've handled different product types at 20 years in the business, but we have major uh, product types from offers, as you mentioned today, earlier, uh, Peter, in our conversation. Obviously, there's a lot of challenges, especially with COVID and the displacement of workers, you know, you know dialogue back to work and, and some employees are not ready to do that. And maybe we may end up at a hybrid system, but there's a lot of challenges there as a result. Then you have retail, which I, uh, most of my focus is in. Um, you have multifamily, Gene alluded to, there's a lot of demand for multifamily housing and cost of construction is impacting all product types. I mean, like I said, offices, are, because what we have, typically when people talk and speak to commercial real estate or real estate in general, they paint it with a broad brush. Mm -hmm. But you have, so if you look at it, you look at the hospitality, for example, is another sector, they've bounced back, bounced back from COVID. If from all the education, from speaking to colleagues, they're in that space and these hotels are back to capacity. I mean, if you think about it during COVID, I mean, imagine what those those hospitality groups and some of these yeah. hotels, some of these individuals, owners, and practically some of them filed bankruptcy or yeah. were in a dire situation. So they bounced back. So retail is, it's interesting. When people say to me about retail, uh, retail is dying because when you look at all the store closures, Bed Bath & Beyond and others, I say retail is changing. Yeah. And retail is responding to the community. So for example, under the retail umbrella, we have not just your traditional retailers, but you also have the the Amazons of the world because they want to be closer to the consumer. What we call from brick uh, from uh, bricks to clicks or clicks to bricks. So yeah. people want to they want to be able to shop online. They want to be able to get their product in a timely fashion. So so retail provides an opportunity because they're in the community. So you have this omni-channel effect. So like for example, just in Brockton, just speaking of local community, we have a O'Reilly's Auto Park that's opening on Belmont Street where mm -hmm. where Stop and Shop used to be. So it's about 35,000 square feet store. It's not just a retail, but it also has a delivery component to, the, to provide products in, to the neighboring community and on a certain miles out. Um, so there's a lot of changes. It's dynamic. I mean, th some of the things that we saw even pre-COVID, you go into certain restaurants today or we call fast, casual, quick serve. Mm -hmm. It's all drive-through. Yeah. Majority of their business is through through drive-through. Yeah. So there's not as much uh, sit-down. But also, I think pre-COVID, it was a response to also the dynamics of families, right, with playing sports and what have you. I know my family were constantly on the go. A lot of families are constantly on the go. So it provides an option for them, right, in terms yeah. of a lot of families. And also to that additional and certain restaurants, especially when families are watching their budget and the way we live today, and they want to minimize certain costs. So... You know, some of these restaurants are seeing that and they're responding to that. So, but when you look at commercial real estate as a whole, we're dealing with similar challenges and um, industrial is responding very well. So when, when we look at, you know, some of the challenges in terms of product type, it would say more sort of offices to office. 
But even when I speak to some of my colleagues in that in that sector, they say depending on what it is, if it's office medical and um, you're talking about needs for biochemical or pharmaceuticals or or research, you know, particularly in Boston, some of those areas, they're doing well. So they're not all the same. You have suburban offices, you have, you know, uh, you know, off downtown. You know. So there's all these different nuances to commercial real estate. And, and so once again, office has its challenges, but what we see across the board where I guess the headlines that we're all concerned about is this R word, recession, inflation, all these headlines. Um, they, they, they put a lot of stress into the system in, in, in terms of banking systems. The same concerns that the, uh, on the residential side you see also on the commercial side because investors and owners, uh, and sometimes when we're working on, when we're doing deals, you look at, so that same deal, that, you know, I mean, interest rates have gone from 3% to 6%. Yeah. So that, that impacts the valuation of, of the properties. So, but it, there's still a lot of bright spots in the market. Like for me, like, so when Gene speaks to, individuals moving into the city of Brockton, what have you. So that means there's more demand for commercial real estate space. You have groups looking for restaurant space and all these different businesses. So, but, but the cost of that real estate has gone up because we're not, we're not building because cost of construction has gone up. So there's a lot of demand out there for same groups going after the same product types. Yeah. And that's the same on the residential side as well as it's just not enough stock. Right. It's available, but you know, I like what you say. I always think about that sort of: Are you blockbuster or, um, or are you uh, Netflix? Which is that sort of question. <laughs> and I do think that there, there is an American ingenuity, this uh, this ability to adapt to the situation that you're in, is something that's Absolutely. happening right in front of our eyes, right? Um, and you know, a friend of mine owns a, a, a Dunkin' Donuts franchise and he put a drive in and, and his business went up eight eight times i mean it, it, getting people through and fitting with people's lifestyles i think those are those are really optimistic sort of um uh, ideas about where we're going and at the at the end of the day people have to live somewhere at the end of the day people have to work in communities and communities are strong and communities will come through this. That's that's really the, the impression that I get. But it's really difficult for people right now. Just to finish, are there any um, words of encouragement that you can give, Jeannie, to a to a young couple who, or a young person who's starting out? Save your money, go to work, pay your bills, do it again, mm. save your money because there are, your home is out there, but you can't, be spending your money on everything else. You just got to put some money away. It's gonna your 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 buy-in is gonna be a little bit more, but in the long run, it's still the best investment in the world. Yeah, pay your because housing future first. Pay pay your pay yourself and build some generational wealth for your family. Maybe mm. no one in your family's ever owned, but you know what doesn't doesn't mean that you're not gonna be the one to do it. That's right. That's right. It has been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much. And um, as usual, when people are amazing on the show, they get asked back. So hopefully we can um, come back in a, in a few months and, and check in on the state of the housing market. Yeah, and absolutely. The, and, absolutely. And the market. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for, Thank for having you. us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.